And now, America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great nation where uh, there is a great emphasis on the part of many, many people about following your heart. Doing what you feel is right for you. Uh, following your passion. That, says uh, Professor Scott Galloway, is utter bull and is part of what is contributing to the breakdown here in the United States of America. Uh, Scott Galloway, who is a former entrepreneur, very successful one, is uh, now also a uh, professor at the business school of New York University, the prestigious Stern School of Business. He is a speaker, an author, a podcast host, an entrepreneur who predicts flatly Hey, don't worry about Donald Trump in this campaign as uh, a, a major factor because uh, Scott Galloway predicts in a, a, a very uh, well-publicized uh, bit of uh, prognostication that Trump will not end up as not only the nominee but even as a candidate for president this time. Uh, Professor Galloway, what uh, leads you to the conviction that Donald Trump is not going to not only not be the next president, he's not going to be a candidate for president in the election uh, that takes place next November? Uh, good to be with you. So um, I don't think it's domain expertise around politics, which I don't have a lot. I think it's just simple math and some insight into how uh, older men think. And if you just do the math here, uh, think about kind of mid-January 2025, you'd be a billionaire, playing golf a lot, hanging out with friends, have sycophants all around him. He could have a pretty nice life, a very nice life. Uh, also, the likelihood he ends up in prison has gone from just, just an impossibility to kind of one in a thousand, and now with what looks like going to be a third um, uh, uh, a third indictment, it's gone from arguably kind of one in a thousand, maybe even one in ten. And I think all of his currency to strike a plea deal that keeps him out of jail goes away if he loses the election. And I think if current trends hold, if the map holds, you know, the election really comes down to five states. What is it, Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, and I think Pennsylvania. And right now, the map looks pretty bleak for him. And I think he just does the map and says, okay, I can strike a deal pre-election that includes no jail time and have a very nice life versus rolling the dice. And if I lose this election, I think the only thing standing between him and the DOJ have been some very loyal elected officials that may, that may decide they're no longer loyal to this person who has really done damage to the Republican Party through consistent losses. I think the likelihood he ends up in prison goes up exponentially. I think he does the map and cashes in that currency pre-election and strikes a deal that involves him never running for office but no jail time. So for me, it's just simple math. Okay, who would he strike the deal with? The, the part of the difficulty with uh, your material, and I've, I've read what uh, you said on your podcast. By the way, uh, Professor Galloway is also the author of the best-selling book, current bestseller, Adrift, America and 100 Charts. 
there are so many different sources of prosecution. There are local prosecutors in New York, uh, in Atlanta. There is the federal prosecution uh, that is going on through the Department of Justice in uh, Washington, D.C., which is about to drop at any moment. And then the uh, ongoing indictments in Miami. How Usually, if you're making a... Uh, some kind of a plea deal, uh, you do what uh, uh, Hunter Biden is doing, is uh, you go to the one prosecutor, in Hunter Biden's case, it's uh, Mr. Weiss, uh, who is uh, responsible, and you make a deal with him. Who would Trump make a deal with? I think that's the correct question, and I want to acknowledge what I'm talking about may be unlikely or even impossibility logistically, but I would imagine with something this important at this high level that there likely could be someone at the DOJ that could probably craft an omnibus deal. And I also wonder just qualitatively if he decided to drop out of the race, if a lot of these cases would just lose their momentum. So I want to be clear. I don't know if it's legally feasible for, as you mentioned, a, an omnibus deal based on distinct entities, or whether that would even be respect each of those entities poorly if they started coordinating. Um, it just strikes me that the mojo around uh, these cases against Donald Trump lose a lot of traction if he decides to just return to being a private citizen. I also wonder if just given how unusual and unique the situation is, if you might not find either the DOJ or someone else willing to say, kind of nod and say, we're prop- we'll, we'll drop this if this individual leaves the public stage. But I'll turn the question back to you because you've thought about it. Do you see this as a logistical impossibility because of the compartmentalization of the cases against him? Yeah, and they're all at different stages. And uh, again, he's not supposed to be standing trial in the Florida case until May by which point he will either have won the Republican nomination, as most people assume that he will, uh, or not. And uh, it it also, Trump is so obsessed with being a winner. Uh, Remember, he had promised he he would become president and then uh, we would win so much that the American people would be tired of winning. Well, it's kind of difficult if you make any kind of plea deal where you're admitting guilt in any way, uh, that's kind of doesn't go with his concept of himself as a winner who is being wrongly persecuted by uh, a bunch of people who hate America. So I buy the point that it's going to be hard to pull off an omnibus deal just because of the legal complexity and the compartmentalization of the cases against them. Well, and, and because of the rep- personality of Donald J. Trump. Well, I'll I'll come to that. But I do believe that uh, his lawyer, at some point, someone's going to sit down with him and say, the math looks ugly. Uh, The the likelihood, even though it's remote, of you ending up in prison is going up every day that you move towards a loss in the presidential election. In terms of personality, I disagree. I think he has no fidelity to the Republican Party. I do think he's a narcissist, but he has walked away from the majority of his business ventures. He has not been afraid to declare bankruptcy whether it's Trump Airlines, Trump Vodka, Trump University. So the notion that he just can't give up or walk away, he's walked away a lot. He has no 
he has no I don't think he's especially principled. I don't think it's an ideal. I don't think he's going to say, I need to run the country. This is for the good of the nation. I think he will make this decision solely based on what is best for one person, that is Donald Trump. And I think the math, fairly earlier as we get closer to the elect, the actual election day, I think he's going to decide the best thing he could do is to try and trade that currency to go back to the life of a billionaire, which is a pretty good life in America. Uh, it, it is a good life in America, and uh, you you write about the difference between that life and the life of ordinary people in your book, Adrift, America and 100 Charts. And uh, part of what you talk about is how the differences between the very rich and the rest of us have uh, become exacerbated recently and uh, what we can do about it. Uh, the book, Adrift, American 100 Charts, uh, the author, Scott Galloway of New York University School of Business. When we come back, I want to throw in my, my own sense, uh, a different sense about Donald Trump. I don't believe he's done with politics by any means, even if he loses a race for the presidency. Uh, he's only four years younger than Biden, but I think he's far more determined to keep this going. This won't be the last time he runs if he loses. It has to be the last time he runs if he wins. We'll explain coming up on The Medved Show. The Michael Medved Show. All across America. This is The Michael Medved Show. Michael Medved show. Uh, look, I think that what Scott Galloway uh, is talking about, some kind of a plea deal where somebody, the attorney general of the United States or uh, one of the local prosecutors, or uh, it could even be the special prosecutor, they decide that, OK, uh, President Trump is uh, willing to acknowledge some wrongdoing and uh, to perhaps pay some kind of a fine, which shouldn't be too onerous, and to drop out of the race for president, which would greatly, greatly change the national mood and would change the level of polarization in this country. Um, if uh, he, he simply admits some of his wrongdoing, which shouldn't be the end of the world. Uh, for instance, his mishandling of classified papers. You one can imagine something like that. Okay. The difficulty, though, is that these are so many different charges and they're already trials scheduled. There are a half dozen hostile legal proceedings, including a renewed trial uh, with, uh, with E. Jean Carroll, who claims that she was sexually assaulted and has already been awarded $5 million, and now she's going back for another bite of the apple, as they say, uh, because of further defamation from President Trump. It's also varied, the charges of wrongdoing, uh, some of them very serious, uh, some of them that resulted in in truly horrific situations like the injury to 150 police officers who went to the hospital on January 6th. 
It's a serious business. And when you have over 500 American citizens who uh, were uh, accused of wrongdoing, including attacking police officers, which most people would think is, yep, that's wrongdoing. Uh, with with all of that going on, the fact that uh, we are waiting any day for some kind of charges that draw President Trump into this realm spider web of guilt and guilty associations concerning January 6th, whether or not he is uh, acquitted or convicted, uh, he's got a very, very busy schedule. And... Uh, the the idea that uh, that schedule could be simplified, I understand what uh, Scott Galloway is saying, that it, it might be appealing to President Trump, except for the fact that he loved being president. And he loves being the center of attention, even when being the center of attention means that he gets criticized a lot. The one thing that I realized, and I realized it this morning, is that I think there's a, a general assumption that there's a clear verdict on Trump that the American people will render uh, probably sometime in November, uh, which is uh, Election Day and Election Day, November of next year. So it'll be a while. Uh, but the point is, let me ask you to think about this for a moment. What do you think the chances are? If Trump is the Republican nominee and he loses the election, uh, both of those things, I think, are fairly likely. Uh, do you think he will accept the results of the election, regardless of how close it is or how not close it is? Uh, I mean, he didn't accept the the verdict of the last election in Michigan, in Michigan. Biden had 15 times the margin that Trump had in Michigan in uh, 2016. And, I, I mean, 15 times a bigger margin for Joe Biden, who won Michigan decisively. And uh, Trump didn't accept it, didn't accept the results of the election, didn't result in an election he lost by 7 million votes in terms of the popular vote. And uh, I think it's a certainty that if Trump is the nominee and he loses, especially if he loses to Joe Biden, for whom he has no respect at all, uh, that uh, he will be back. He'll run again. And is that so unthinkable because of his age? No, because uh, Trump will actually still be just a tad younger than Biden is now. Uh, if if he ends up running uh, again for president, would he run for the Republican nomination? Probably. Or is it possible that he would organize his own party, the America First Party? I mean, we all know, know what it's going to be called. Uh, or the MAGA Party, uh, it would be known. Uh, I, I do think that the continued association of President Trump with... Uh, with the pursuit of the presidency is is very very likely uh, what is not likely is if he does win the election and he serves out his term that's it 
because he would have to change the Constitution, the 22nd Amendment of the Constitution, to allow himself a third term. And it doesn't matter how many breaks there are in it. Uh, there, there are people who keep running for president because that's what they do. There's a former uh, a governor of a Minnesota named Harold Stassen who ran for president eight or nine times, just kept doing it into his 90s. And uh, is that likely to be the case for Trump? No, because Trump has won. And you can't take that away from him. But uh, the idea that he will continue this fight and a fight uh, for what? Uh, there is a, um, a, a brand new poll that suggests that anger and radicalization are running rampant in the country. A rising number of Americans say political violence is justified. The survey shows a small but significant share of Americans believe in the use of force to attain political goals. That's on both the left and the right. The uh, number of Americans who believe the use of force is justified to restore Trump to the White House increased by roughly 6 million in the last few months to an estimated 18 million people. Think about that. That, according to a survey conducted uh, in late June and shared exclusively with The Guardian, of those 18 million people, 68% believe that the 2020 election was stolen from Trump. And 62% believe the prosecutions of Trump are intended to hurt his chances in 2024. An estimated 7% of Americans total of the, so that's over 20 million Americans, now believe violence could be necessary to restore Trump to the presidency. That's up from 4.5% or 12 million people uh, back in April. Uh, so what does all that mean? Well, most young people are no longer proud to be Americans, according to another poll, which we will get to. Come On the uh, Michael Medved show, uh, there's a question about American patriotism and what happened to it. And why it is that young people in particular seem to be so reluctant to express any pride in our country. The, uh, uh, there's a piece in Axios which takes a look at the Gallup poll. And it says American patriotism has faced a steep decline among young adults over the last decade and now sits at a record low. Now, again... When when you look at the patriotic themes that are so much a part of the uh, entire MAGA movement, uh, they begin with that Lee Greenwood song, I'm proud to be an American, right? Because I, I make it in the land that keeps me free. And uh, it, all, all of the USA, USA chants, well, why is that not taking hold from some of the among some of the younger supporters for President Trump. Pride and national 
identity is lowest among those 18 to 34. And it illustrates the fracture between young Americans and older generations at a time of deep partisanship in the United States. In the most recent Gallup poll, Americans 55 or older were nearly three times more likely to say that they're extremely proud of their nationality than younger generations. Overall, only 39% of American adults say they are extremely proud to be American in the most recent poll. And that's based very largely on partisan orientation and age. Only 18% of those aged 18 to 34 say they're very proud to be Americans. That's compared to 50% of those 55 and over. Now, by comparison, and this is what's so stunning, if uh, you looked at 2013, which is 10 years ago, it's just 10 years ago, and at that time, 85% of those in 2013, of those under 30, 85% said they were extremely or very proud to be Americans. Uh, looking at the last two decades, the percentage of Americans expressing extreme pride intensified briefly after 9-1-1, but uh, 9-11. But it began a decline in 2005 that has continued to the current day. The percentage of those extremely proud to be American stands at uh, 29% for Democrats, a 60% for Republicans, and uh, 33% for independents. Now, what's peculiar about that is you would think that with a Democratic administration that is running for re-election uh, and that won the election decisively in 2020, that with that Democratic administration there, there'd be a higher percentage of Democrats than just that 29%. It shows that Republicans even with a Democratic president of the United States leading this country, that even with a Democratic president of the United States, Republicans are twice as likely to say they're proud to be Americans. And meanwhile, the uh, idea of anger and radicalization and turning to violence, all of this has led to these discussions about a second civil war. You know my opinion. It's it's ridiculous, and it, it basically stems from people not knowing enough about the history of the real civil war that we faced that ended up killing 700,000 people. Uh, a second civil war is very, very hard to imagine, but that doesn't stop Peter Navarro, who was the uh, special trade advisor for President Trump, was a Trump insider. He was also part of the Stop the Steal movement, uh, trying to undo the election of uh, 2020. He has uh, commented on uh, why he believes the Second Civil War is on its way. Listen. For Republicans. And over a third of Democrats believe America is on the brink of civil war. If such an unthinkable war breaks out, it will be the Democrats' fault. 
In their quest for power, radical elements within the Democrat Party have abandoned any pretense of fairness, tolerance, and justice. In their woke new world, Democrat strategists use unscrupulous lawfare tactics to skew our election system, even as weaponized bureaucracies like the Department of Justice, FBI, and National Archives, now under Democratic control, seek to destroy the Republican Party and its de facto leader, Donald Trump. Okay, uh, the destroy the Republican Party, uh, the the actual idea that the Democrats have to destroy the Republican Party, they did a pretty effective job in the last two uh, midterm elections in uh, 2022. In 2018, the Democrats won 43 seats, took over the Congress, the House of Representatives. Uh, Peter Navarro continues with his dire predictions. Listen. The Democrat activists and strategists now driving this nation towards a second civil war have neither justice nor righteousness on their side. Instead, they are attempting to trample on our religions, disarm us, and impose all manner of woke, social, cultural, and economic changes that are far outside the bounds of America's traditions, traditional values, and constitutional roots. My strong admonition to these Democrats as I appeal to the wiser in your party, is this. Back this anti-democratic truck up before it runs over you. Do you not understand that the longer you engage in your assaults on American families and values, the more likely a new civil war becomes? And do you not understand that the perverse precedents you are creating through your weaponized bureaucracies and woke attacks will come back to haunt you Soon as Republicans take back Trump's America from your cold, woke hands. Okay, so wait a minute. Uh, we're in the midst of an election. If all of a sudden uh, Peter Navarro is saying that uh, uh, it's only a matter of time uh, before Trump takes back America from the cold, woke hands of the Democrats, and so what is going to happen to provoke a civil war in his point of view uh, before the election can even unfold? And what are the crucial issues of that civil war? If the, any of you believe that we are heading for that kind of conflict, it's, it's honestly relatively easy to look at the centrality of slavery. Yes, there were other contributing factors to the Civil War of 1861 to 1865, but it was predominantly a struggle over the extension of slavery, and then it became a struggle over the elimination of slavery. Uh, what's the comparable struggle where, where people honestly are willing to die for that principle? There were a lot of people who were willing to die to preserve slavery, and yes, to eliminate it. Uh, coming up on The Medved Show, uh, what about Mitt Romney's plea today in The Wall Street Journal that long-shot candidates need to step aside to allow the Republican Party to move on from Trump? Is moving on from Trump even 
impossible to do. And what about the ongoing battle for Senate in Arizona? That and more coming up on the Medved Show. Are you feeling tired as you're... And on the Michael Medved Show, uh, there's some political news uh, of, of some interest and with level of surprises. Uh, the hotline reports a, quote, dispatch from Iowa, and uh, they write that Iowa could be Republicans' first and potentially last chance to deny former President Trump the nomination. He's far ahead in every Iowa poll, and even though the presidential race is, is at its nascent stages, uh, Trump is far ahead in national polls and has a large lead in New Hampshire, the first in the nation primary. One recent poll had the former president leading his nearest challenger by 28 points in the Granite State. That's New Hampshire, of course. Uh, several of Trump's rivals see an opening in Iowa before the former president picks up momentum in other early voting states. In, in Iowa, because it's such a personal thing, there have been all kinds of surprise winners. Uh, Mike Huckabee, uh, who was a surprise winner in Iowa back in 2008. And, uh, and, and that was the case for Rick Santorum, who tied Romney spending almost no money but moving his whole family and campaigning place to place. The the one chance, to, uh, at least according to this hotline analysis, to, um, to actually slow the Trump momentum is uh, to defeat him in Iowa. Uh, it, it was one of those things where uh, Donald Trump underperformed in Iowa after being ahead in all the polls in 2016. Uh, will that happen this time? And who was likely to undo his situation? Well, there's a report from South Carolina. This is from the Charleston Post and Courier. Uh, Courier. In South Carolina, Senator Tim Scott is winning the 2024 money race in the Palmetto State. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley is not far behind. Since entering the race May 22nd, Scott has raised about $1.6 million from South Carolina residents compared to the nearly $1.4 million Haley has raised from supporters in the state since her February 15th kickoff in downtown Charleston from voters in the early voting state. Um, there is also this in terms of the uh, battle for the Senate. One of the most complicated Senate races, and uh, it's um, it's a, a very very complicated Senate race indeed, is in Arizona, and they have a new poll from a Noble Predictive Insights that shows that thirty nine percent of Arizona voters view Senator Kirsten Cinema favorably including 41% of independent voters. Now, what does that mean? It means that her approval rating has actually been going up. Her approval rating was down tremendously in Arizona. And on cinema's left, 36% uh, 
viewed uh, Ruben Gallego favorably. At 25% viewed him unfavorably, and 25% had no opinion. Ruben Gallego is the Democratic congressman who is running to take the seat from Cinema, who seems to be determined to run as an independent. And uh, then you have Carrie Lake, who is considering a Senate bid but hasn't announced yet. Uh, she is polled at a 35% favorable and 51% unfavorable. So... What that means is you have uh, a really a very close three-way race going on there where any of uh, those three could win. The, the question becomes, if Kristen Sinema wins, would she go back and caucus again with the Democrats helping to uh, maintain their hold on the U.S. Senate, or would she separate from... Uh, the uh, the Democratic Party altogether and become a real independent. Um, you can, uh, but um, there there's a piece in the New York Times today it says predictably summer's new political flashpoint is wrapped in pink. Uh, last week, Representative Matt Gates and his wife Ginger arrived at a Washington reception for Barbie in matching pink, grinning in photos along the pink carpet, mingling among guests, sipping pink cocktails, admiring a life-size pink toy box. They left with political ammunition. Uh, the Barbie I grew up with, this is uh, by Matt Gates's wife, Ginger. She says, the Barbie I grew up with was a representation of limitless possibilities, embracing diverse careers and feminine empowerment. Uh, Mrs. Gates said on Twitter, the 2023 Barbie movie, unfortunately, neglects to address any notion of faith or family and tries to normalize the idea that men and women can't collaborate positively. Yuck. Uh, and then uh, it, it talks about the um, uh, non-terroristic winners. Uh, the uh, uh, there's a comment by uh, uh, Ted Cruz, which uh, apparently is also on. Actually, it, it's by Matt Gates. Let's give Matt Gates credit. Uh, if Florida rather than Texas. Matt Gates says, if you let the trans stop you from seeing Margot Robbie, he said, uh, leaving the uh, T off the first name of the film star, the terrorists win. Uh, really? Uh, does Barbie define what uh, some people see as an approaching civil war? Uh, Matthew in Oregon, you're on the Michael Medved show. Go ahead, Hello? Matthew, you're on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I've called you before about this topic, and I was the guy who said maps, uh, you know, donation maps, but I've really. Uh, <laughs> donation I've maps? Gonna, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what it is is whenever you donate to a party or to a candidate, you have to do, you basically have to dox yourself. You have to disclose 
your address, who you are, all that stuff. Right. Well, those are being collected. But that stuff is, that stuff, I mean, that stuff I kind of feared, but I just stopped donating to people, so I don't really care. But um, wait, what's 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 wrong with people uh, knowing, confirming that your your donation is legitimate, is actually from you? It's not from some kind of foreign agency or some kind of corporate. No, no, power? no, no, no. I, I don't say I don't say that it's wrong to have the information. I'm saying that they're creating dossier. It, this was not even where I wanted to go, but they're creating do, they're creating dossiers of who's giving what and what their addresses are, and they call them kill lists online. But that doesn't matter. Okay, who point. is they? Well, it, well, I've seen leftist groups. They have one called Racist Watch. Know the racist in your groups and stuff, and then you can go into forums. And people that post on there call it the kill map. And the kind of similar stuff goes on on the right wing. But the right wing is less sophisticated than that. They have those same things. But what really freaked me out about the right was actually this 4th of July. Because I went to the coast. And I was down at the beach, fireworks displays. And I hung out, hung out at this one big campfire. And there was like... There's just a there's a there's a few definite MAGA you know definite I don't know you know the type and they were talking civil war and so I decided to humor them because I was just wondering what where they would go like I was like okay let's say you're doing this tell me like what would you do and I'm basically what you were doing to me and uh, where they went they said the main liberals are in the in the cities. And the main plan in the background is to attack all forms of infrastructure that you can get a hold of that disrupt the cities. Electricity, water, sewer, maybe even cutting uh, internet lines. Anything and why, what, would, just... what would be the advantage of doing all of this? Well, the idea... The idea is that the, if you can get the cities to collapse, if the people are trying to come to the rural areas, you can kill them in the rural areas pretty easily. I see. So you, you get people to run away from the cities, they run out to the country, and then you kill them before they get there. Uh, I'm not sure that's a viable plan. I think it's a bad idea for this greatest nation.